0: Hello, and welcome to the Comedians Paradise. This is the podcast where we speak to intriguing and interesting individuals from across the globe that inspire comedians, performers, and any Tom and Dick and Harry who wants to know about comedy performing across the world to chase your passion and live it on your own terms. Now, in this case, we have an absolutely awesome friend of mine. He is a man who's been to Germany, he's been to the UK, that he's gone been back again. He's been to the UK. He's travelled the world. He's a man who has the pizzazz in in improv. He's a man who's hosted many shows for me. He's a man with charm that will tickle the feathers of a hen. <laughs> Please
1: welcome James Harris. H- Hello, what what a marvelous inter- introduction, Marvin and. Uh... I don't think I've ever tickled the feathers of a hen, but uh, I, would be, I would be up for it if any hens are listening.
0: Why not, man? I mean, make the hens happy.
1: May, yeah, make the hens happy. Yeah, we were going to talk about Germany, and one of the expressions to please somebody in German is to give the monkeys their sugar. It right. gives, the mon- <laughs> it, it, gives it, it, it gives the monkeys their sugar. So, yeah, that's me. Whoa, if, you've got a, if you if you've got a monkey and bring in the sugar. Well, I mean
0: we're we're all apes, so you're you're basically saying that humans like sugar.
1: Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and they do, don't they? They do. They really do. <laughs> uh
0: can you speak German?
1: I can. Yes. German. i can speak it, uh, I can speak it fluently, yeah. I was there for a long time. I was there for nearly uh nearly a decade. Uh and I um I am a qualified German to English translator and interpreter as well. So, um, I have.
0: Oh, so w- when you become fluent in a language, because so one thing that I've noticed, like, like my mum's been here a while and a lot of relatives yeah. have been here a while, like, they know English to speak it well, but I mean they they couldn't teach it because they've not like studied the the grammar mm-hmm. or the punctuation or the rules of the language. Did you did that? Was that a similar journey for you? Like you, once you got fluent, it, you had to sort of go to the basics and try and understand the.
1: Uh, well, I've always been a reader, uh, and and one of the best ways to get that kind of strong um, grammatical fundamentals is is to read a lot. Uh, so and and I did go to class as well. So I was always I was always quite strong. The um, the thing that's helped me the most actually is in my work as an English teacher. Uh, because um, uh, that's made me really aware of, you know, what what's an adverb, what's a noun, what's an adjective, you know, and sentence construction. So it's made me more able to speak about language in a in a technical way.
0: Mm. And is that is that your main job now as a translator?
1: Uh, well, I teach in a lot at the moment, um, teaching a lot of English, um, and I do a bit of translation, a bit of editing, a bit of writing, um, yeah, uh, I, I've i done a lot of different things. After I finish speaking to you, I'm going to go over to uh, South West London and run a pub quiz. So uh, <laughs> I, I do a lot of different stuff.
0: Oh, OK. So are you are you like a chauffeur for money?
1: Uh, yeah, that's one way of putting it.
0: <laughs> so what are the things you, you do? Translation, you do pub quizzes. What else do you do?
1: uh well i write uh i even get paid for writing um and i have a substack uh which is um you know a newsletter a reader supported uh newsletter um and then um i'm a proofreader so i basically go through text trying to find spelling mistakes uh, yeah i mean this year is like my latest but this is this is the most different things i've ever done in a year this year it um it's um my skills have proliferated even though they're all related um oh so yeah um i think what they call me in the industry is a language professional okay as someone who works professionally with language okay
0: so being a language professional and you how many languages do you know of interest
1: um really well and i work with english french and german uh so right. those are the those are the three um but i do speak basic chinese as well
0: oh okay and ha so now you know all these languages and like but you you, you've been doing comedy for a decade
1: right well longer yeah longer longer so
0: you've yeah you've been doing comedy for so long too long you weren't (laughs) well you
1: weren't fluent
0: You you weren't fluent at the start of like your comedy journey in different languages.
1: Well, I was I was I was fluent in English. I mean, it's quite a nice idea that I started comedy and couldn't speak any language. Uh, I would I would like that idea. That could have been my unique thing that I didn't speak <laughs> any language. I just had to gesture what what was supposed to be funny. But no, I, I acquired. Um, actually, I used to perform in German a bit um and that was that was a challenge that is a challenge to perform in a second language is a challenge what makes it a challenge well i mean um first of all you've got you've got uh, many less synonyms so you you are just constantly you don't have that richness of vocabulary uh, and then you've got an accent so the audience is like mm, not sure where this person is from uh, which you either have to address or ignore. Now in the UK, we're we're very used to stand-up comedians get up and they speak English and maybe they've got an accent, maybe they're from Germany, Italy, Spain. Um, but in Germany, they are less used to somebody getting up and speak and speaking to them in German. Um, so I had some pretty, uh, I had some, I had some really wonderful gigs in German, but I also had some horribly humiliating
0: ones <laughs> what's it's what's it like to compare a gig in a second language because i imagine that must be like they say with comparing it's very difficult to do it as a character there's very few comics that can compare as a character act hmm. the same as doing comedy in a second language because you have to think for another
1: filter yeah that's really really interesting um I think it's a bit like that. But I also think uh, one of the things compares can do, particularly if it's English and another language, is compare in several languages. I think that's, I think that's something compares can do. Oh, you're from, you're from Italy, a few words of Italian. Oh, you're from Germany, a bit of German. You know. Um, so I think the, co- the compare role is friendlier to speaking more than one language than being a character. I think that's I think that's really hard to be a character actor and compare. Hmm.
0: It's it's amazing. The f- I've never seen. I think the only one that I've seen do it okay is Ada Camp. I know that a Bonjo does it quite a lot, but that's about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, kudos to anyone who can pull that off. Um, but when I used to compare in Germany, I used to jump between the languages and what you've got to realize is that almost all Germans know some English um you know and not and not not many English people know German so um you've already got potentially two languages which everyone understands it's in Germany or in most European countries in most European countries they have knowledge of the local language and English um which means that you can you can jump between English and the local language a lot. And that's it's almost a little bit like having a kind of superpower.
0: Yeah, what is going on? I find that to be like in France, like they say their English is crap. Their English is bloody good. And it's it's so it seems to yeah, it's they say their English is bad, but I'm able to have a conversation with you, banter with you and interact with you. What more do you bloody want?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, um, they tend to have quite strong accents, but yeah, definitely now in France the level of English is 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 going is going up and up, and uh, it's all it's always been famously good in Holland, Belgium, Sweden. You know, uh, these these places have always been effectively bilingual for for a long time. But yeah, um, um, one of the big differences um, you'll find in european countries is some european countries dub their films and tv and stuff so they they'll dub it into german french etc um but others use subtitles like sweden or denmark or holland and it tends to be the case that the, the places which um use subtitles have better accents and better knowledge of english than the places which dub does that make sense yeah yeah yeah
0: you're gonna have to break it down a bit no i joking <laughs> <laughs> The point I'm saying is, in England, us not being fluent in other languages is pretty damaging, and it limits mm. our opportunities. And it's, 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 yeah, I don't know. I feel stupid for not knowing another language. I feel like, it, I feel like you feel like a proper person if you know at least a few.
1: But what's your, what's your family background? You said you said your mum spoke a different language. So
0: my mum is. So my f- mum's side of family they were raised in they were from Hainan which is an island in China and they moved to
1: Thailand. Mm. The war. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Hainan's quite big. Hainan's quite a big island. It's
0: aren't they? I heard they're trying to turn it into the new Hong Kong
1: of Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, having messed up the old Hong Kong they now need to turn it into the, the new one. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but it, 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 but I, I yeah, as I, I, I feel that us Brit- Britonians need to learn another language, man. It feels embarrassing.
1: Yeah, well, it is embarrassing, but I also understand why people don't do it because if you live in the UK, you don't, you don't really need it. Um, and then when you go abroad for a couple of weeks a year, if if you do that, then you can get by with English. But if you live somewhere for a long time, then I think then I think it really becomes difficult to understand uh, why, why you wouldn't learn um, the other language, because it's just manners, isn't it, uh, to, to, to learn the local language.
0: Like Gareth Bale.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although weirdly, Gareth Bale, I saw Gareth Bale and he was speaking some Spanish, now he's gone to the States. So it seems a bit arse backwards, doesn't it? He's been in Madrid. I know he's gone to the US and has been reaching out to the Latino communities with a bit of Spanish. Um, you know, yeah, Bale is a bit of a lesson there.
0: Definitely. They hated him, but he was a good player. He scored more goals than a lot of them, but he didn't know any Spanish.
1: He didn't know any Spanish. I don't think Beckham's Spanish was, was, was great either.
0: No, I don't think so, but I think Beckham seems to get away with it for some reason. I don't know why.
1: Yeah, I mean... No, no thoughts on that. But yeah, Bale was very successful. the The player who could speak really good Spanish, who played for Madrid, who was English, was Jonathan Woodgate. But he was also voted by Madrid fans the club's worst ever signing. So, uh, <laughs> so it, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily seem to be the case that if you can, um, if you can learn the language, you will become loved by the fans.
0: <laughs>
1: but you, you, my man, I've had a
0: interesting journey in comedy like you started when you were 17 when you were little yep. when you're just getting spots yeah and then, and then like you did comedy for, and then you went to germany did a lot of comedy there and then you came back like, like how did that happen and like tell us a bit about that it sounds like a around the world in 80 days
1: yeah well i mean it's um it's it is a slightly unusual journey um and now i would probably say that it's ended up with me uh sort of half in, half out with comedy, but, but more of a writer these days. Um, but I, um, I did say so You Think You're Funny when I was 17. That was the first time I was doing all my own sets. Um, and I got to the semifinals of that, in 2001. Um, and then um, I was involved in comedy when I was at uni. Uh, I was actually head of the two things, the Oxford Comedy Society and the Oxford Review. Um, and that Sketch. You know, so it's writing and and uh, developing sketch, um, and then um, for various reasons, um, I became pretty disillusioned with comedy uh, at a young age, <laughs> and then and then I went to Germany, and a friend of mine had a small club, it wasn't really a comedy club; it was more music and social. But he, I, I think, I'd written on my CV at the language school I worked at when I was in Germany, uh, that I'd done some comedy. And he'd seen it, and he asked me if I wanted to do some. So I did a little gig on a Sunday night. There were about 20 people there, and I wrote all new stuff. Um, And I got the bug back. And then what happened is, as I got the bug back, the scenes in Berlin, in terms of English speaking, started to grow a lot, and all over Europe. Um, So I kind of read. rode the crest of a wave a bit for the while and by by the time we flash forward to about 2010 so we're talking you know nine years after I went to university um there was a pretty booming English comedy scene in Berlin and there was money to be made you know I was getting paid a lot uh, well not a lot but Berlin's cheap and I was playing big crowds all the time which was great and I developed an act which only really worked in Germany uh which was me being a kind of puzzled english person living in germany a typical kind of fish out of water thing um uh, and then i kind of sort of seemed to hit a bit of a the ceiling there although i did the gigs were getting better uh, well, getting bigger and i was starting to tour around all over so i think i've been i think i performed in eight different european countries it's eight or nine you know italy spain belgium holland some of them some of them more than once Uh, Yeah, and these were really fun years. We're talking about a decade ago now. Uh, And then I I decided that I would come back to the UK and have a go at cracking stand-up in London, um, in part because that's what people were were telling me to do.
0: Oh, okay. What did they say? They said, so, James, would you like, You had a bit of the apple pie. Why don't we try the shepherd's pie back in the UK?
1: (laughs) Well, there was no references to pie, although I am a huge fan of pie. So that would have been the way to get me to do pretty much anything. Um, So, yeah, they told me they told me to go back because some people thought I could make it. Other people told me to go to West Germany, which is where all the TV stuff is. Uh, all the like Cologne and Dusseldorf. I know that's where they program all the TV or a lot of the TV money is for comedians. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, but I came back to London and I kind of had to start again. And it took me a little. It took me a year or two to start gigging again. Um, and then I worked pretty hard. Um, I got to one competition final, two competition semi-finals, I had a had a period where I was gigging a lot. Um and i got to lots of first rounds of competitions as well <laughs> which is horrible um and uh, yeah i probably the most gigs i did in a year in england was probably like a 150 or something i'm not sure um and i did a couple of edinburgh runs 2016 and then i came up again in 2017 but only like a only to gig then um and uh, yeah i kind of worked out how it all work but i didn't get the kind of break I was looking for um or hoping for so um i basically then i wrote my solo show um which is a storytelling show then really. um which is on again in september and i've just been the last couple of years obviously we had a pandemic uh, but i've just been taking my show round small fringe festivals um ventnor camden durham uh manchester um Ludlow, places like that, Morecambe, you know, and that's been fun. And I do have a really, really lovely show now, which is a lot of fun to do. Um, but I've not taken it up to Edinburgh because I don't think it will I don't think it will get noticed up there, to be honest. I think something else would would need to happen. But I do have a nice show. Uh, and I also write about comedy a lot these days. Like I write for chortle, I write my newsletter I've written I've written lots of articles for various places. So um, I wouldn't say that I'm much of a kind of active working stand-up. I've kind of gone away from that. But I've been in and around comedy uh, for like 23 years now. So that's quite a lot of time.
0: You wrote it in your article, right? You left it for a certain point, like you you felt yeah. the journey, which is the end point. But for people that didn't yeah. read the
1: article, yeah,
0: like tell us a bit about what made you decide to not make comedy your main thing anymore.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Thanks for reading that article as well, which we could link in the show notes as they, they yeah, say. of course. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a really good way to. Put it and what I kind of wrote in the article was um if any of you are football fans you often get a, a point where the the older footballer retires and goes a bit more into management I mean you have to unless you're Slatt and abramovich who just seems to continue playing uh, whatever and I kind of had reached that point where where it felt like the the stand-up years and going around and going to different places were like the active sports career and now I wanted to move more into kind of behind the scenes and writing trying to get things produced and things like that uh, but the main reason was um well i mean there's a couple of things i've become more contented in my personal life because i'm married and i'm a property owner as such as it is uh so i have a lot of stability and uh, it just becomes a lot less appealing to go okay i'm gonna go out and do a gig and be a long way from home if the gig isn't like a big gig, which is going to pay for stuff, which it's not for me. Uh, and the other thing is, I just didn't I didn't think I was. I thought I proved to myself that if I did make it my main thing, I could probably get a decent profile. But I didn't think it was going to happen anytime soon. Um, so I was in a situation where I had to choose what am I not going to be paid for? Am I not going to be paid for doing writing or am I not going to be paid for doing comedy? Well, in that case, you have to go with the thing which you love the most uh which 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 is a passion regardless and for me writing is a is a bigger is a bigger passion um than than doing stand-up i should say that i miss it you know i do miss doing stand-up comedy i miss getting jokes um and i write jokes you know um and I, and, I, and it would be nice to think about trying that out with your audience but where where i am if i if i go back to doing comedy now i'll have to start again from zero um and that's you know that's not something i i think i've got the energy for so yeah uh that's 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 pretty much it i think but have you got some comedians
0: now listening in if they're having a mm. or something what questions should be going through the head and
1: thinking about well i mean yeah yeah you don't have to you don't have to i mean if you've got the love for comedy as an art form which i obviously have the love for comedy as an art form but it it doesn't matter then if you're engaged in the process of it and you love it and you're really getting something out of it but maybe maybe you haven't achieved the success that you want um then then you just keep going with it but if you've got to a stage like for me that the enjoyment of it does not outweigh the um the drawbacks of it you know the waiting around for hours you know the the, the playing to very small rooms you know these these this this stuff is not enough to keep me going because I'm not like, I, it's it's in part it's because I've done it for a long time, so if I was like a lot younger, I would still be a bit more excited about that. Um, I mean, you could one of the great things about comedy is you can always come in and out of it. You know, um, it's it's a you know you can you can step away, you can come you can come back into it, you can you can take time to bring up some new material. People would, would always tell me, oh, why don't you like do a week where you do like 25 gigs and see what that's like, you know. And you can easily get into that mentality that you have to be doing a certain amount of gigs. I, I've done like with my show, I've probably done 10 gigs this year, but each one's an hour. You know, and that's worth it for me. That's worth it for me because it's exciting for me and I'm pushing myself as a performer. Um, there is no guaranteed minimum number of gigs you need to do or maximum it's it's whatever is right for you personally um and 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 you can find your own rela- relations to that but for god's sake don't keep doing it if you're not enjoying it there's there's no point
0: hmm. what what would you say are the comedians that have actually gone ahead from what you've seen like what have you noticed about them then perhaps other comics that haven't achieved as much success
1: um what do you mean i'm not quite sure i understand the question
0: the the ones that have what have you noticed about ones that seem to be that we gig with that are storming it now
1: yeah um well what well i mean you know it's 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 all relative i mean because i've i've stormed it loads of times um and it's led absolutely nowhere and there are loads of people I know who've stormed it and have got no attention. and I know people who've stormed it and who haven't stormed it who've been pretty shit and have been picked up and 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 gone on. And it's because it's a market, and the market is responding to what it what it is. Like it's when you go and do the comedy competitions, the judges, they don't like laugh. They just go like they nod. they nod when they see stuff they like because they think they can use it and market it. So, I think if you're gonna be if you're gonna be out there doing it and and it's independent of success, you've got to have that massive love for the art form, which which, which keeps you doing. It. Because the rest of it, the success relative or not, um, is is a bit random, I think. Um I mean, I had an experience which I wrote about in the article uh, where I did the Leicester Square New Comedian of the Year. Now I want to make it clear at the top i should not have been doing leicester square new comedian of the year i've been doing for comedy for 20 years when i did leicester square New Com- i had no place to be in that competition right because no one's ever heard of me <laughs> i could do it right um and i was i was i was the best on the whole bill there's absolutely no doubt i got applause breaks i smashed it i was in the first half i didn't go through so why didn't i go through because because you know there's they're not looking for someone like me because it's not fair, wh- whatever it is. And that it all seems to me very independent. And there are people who were like being fast tracked from that who struggled on that individual night. So it just seems to me that you need to get yourself into a place where you just love doing it for the thing if you're gonna, if you're gonna commit to it. And yeah, I suppose I think one of the things which really, really is going to help you get ahead is like they can categorize you immediately and say this is the thing that you are you are the tall italian who is dry you are the gay woman who is x y or z now obviously for for these things these people are much more than that anyway i'm not saying you can reduce them to that i'm saying how the industry looks at them and if 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 your individual thing is a bit weirder or it's taking you longer to work it out you just have to enjoy that process of 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 trying to of trying to work it out yeah so that's what i would say but one of the reasons i stepped away from it is because i didn't think anybody was going to come along in the industry yeah that's what we're looking for because i'm a straight white guy okay i'm a bit jewish but that's about it um <laughs> and they they i didn't think anyone was going to look what we need is a man in his late 30s who's going bald because it's like <laughs> That is the one thing which is oversupplied, you know. So, so you have to, you have to then, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna keep going, then, and you don't think there's any prospect of commercial success, then, then you have to love. You just have to love doing comedy. Okay. Oh, that's
0: bloody brilliant. That bit. Can I quote you on that and put it online?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, of course you can. Of course you can. And I don't mean to. I also don't mean to make it sound like I don't think the industry should be. Doing the work to expand its its offer and to bring more interesting people in, but I also just think the industry is thinking in terms of categories, um, and that's that's you know that can be quite 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 difficult to fit around, you know,
0: mm. and to break free from it,
1: and to do exactly your- well, that's exactly what happened to me in Germany because I got bored of being the you see that's it. That's why I had commercial success because my thing was incredibly simple to explain. He's English and he lives in Germany and he's a bit confused. I mean, that's 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 perfect because everyone can place themselves around that. The comedy foreigner is 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 an instantly recognisable type, um, you know, and that's what people wanted. And because I'd done that for like I don't know, maybe six six years and had quite a bit of success with it. Um I got bored with it and I wanted to try something else. Hmm. Keeping the entertainment journey alive. Keeping the entertainment journey alive. Yeah, I love that 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 phrase. But yeah, so um it's it's a it's been it has been unusual. Um and nowadays what I'm doing is more in the writing um in the writing line of things. But I have written a show I am performing the show. I would like to do another show. So it's not completely done.
0: Cool. Now, this James, you are you in for a treat? You're going to be the first guest that I've done this with. Okay. Uh, but um, this is what I'm going to do. It's a little thing I'm going to add to this show and try yep. to make it a bit more entertaining. Um, you're going to watch this clip. Have you seen Piggy Blinders?
1: Uh, I'm aware of it.
0: well you're going to watch this clip and i'm going to ask you what has been a moment in your life where you've been in that situation and you've been able to overturn that situation (laughs) so let's see what happens have some fun and let's see so here we go um that one uh now here it is um what what should I say to the guests listening back home?
1: <laughs> okay here it is. Here. Can you hear it? Uh, no, you probably have to share audio with me, don't you? Can you hear it? I can't. You probably have to share the audio. But, um... can you hear it? Yeah, I can hear. Okay, I can hear it now. Let's do this.
0: <laughs> Get on your
1: fucking knees and sign.
0: A friend of mine once said uh, Big fuck small Find someone bigger than you You may know there are two families in Brooklyn Who want to take over your monopoly on the import of liquor into New York If you were to die In a vendetta with some fucking bookmaker In Birmingham They could take over your business without more his name is Alphonse Cabana. You've been talking to that See all the blood relatives you brought with you from New York. They're all dead. Mr. Cangretta. These men here, they worked for money for the highest bidder. They now have new orders. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, let's go through that do you understand what 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 happened
1: there uh well Cillian murphy is being threatened by some kind of new york gangster is that right
0: uh so yeah effectively um with the biggie blinders what happened was they killed his father so he came back to try and get revenge and then as a new york mafia gangster and then he had the moment where he thought he had Tommy Shelby and said, "Get on your knees and sign when he but Tommy Shelby overcame him and did a like trick let him think that he won but overturned the
1: situation and he ended up winning and killing him so uh, you're asking me if I've been in a similar situation <laughs> <Because I'm laughs> a, that's not something which just happened very often in my life um, Although I am from the Midlands, so. <laughs> <laughs> but what's what's been a situation where you've been
0: like where you felt like the odds are against you, like yeah. that, but you've mm. overturned it. Mm. That's, That's... A
1: good where I felt like the odds are against me. Oh, I have a really good recent example, although it isn't um, it isn't all my work, so I don't want to. Um, Take it as all my credit, but I have been intensively tutoring a kid for GCSE history, um, and um, he he had various difficulties in school. Very nice kid, but had some 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 special educational needs, as we say. And I was asked to predict him a, a predicted grade, um, and I predicted him a relatively low um, uh, predicted grade, and he absolutely smashed it in his exams and ended up with a seven, which is a superb uh, effort on the GCSE front. So I definitely felt the odds were against us both getting that grade, but thanks to his hard work, um, we definitely beat the odds on that one.
0: And how did you manage to over... Was it like Rocky? Did you say, come on, Rocky?
1: I don't know. I just think the guy was listening to me. (laughs) And uh, it's something quite surprising that somebody actually listened to to what I was trying to tell them so I'm quite happy but yeah I think there's a lesson in uh being patient and and chipping away uh we we had two classes a week for about four or five months and um uh chipping away and uh yeah he's really surprised me so I just want to say how um pleased I am that um I'm not going to name him because it's confidential but I'm going to just say my GCSE history student knows who he is and I uh, hope he knows how proud I am.
0: All right, so cool. So you're saying the lesson there is to keep plugging away and...
1: Keep plugging away a little bit. Now, you see, the thing is, um, with, with writing as well, maybe this is a bit true of comedy, but um, if you do two hours every day, you can get a lot further than you think you can.
0: Hmm. A little bit more.
1: But it's the consistency that's the thing. You've got to you've got to work out when the best times to be creative are. Best times for you to to do what you really want to do, and just make sure you do it every day. Make it a habit.
0: Okay. And for anyone that's listening in now, how do they find out about you, James, and like get in contact? And
1: okay, well, there's quite a few ways. Uh, okay, um, you can read my Substack newsletter. That comes out once a week. And it's called Stiff Upper Quip. It's come back on Thursday. We've just had a break for August. Stiff Upper Quip. Okay. Uh, if you Google that, Substack, you'll get there. But it's stiffupperquip.substack.com, I think. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at James Harris now, um, chatting, chatting balls about various things. Um, and you can also come and see my show uh, if you're in London, which is on September the 10th uh, at the Canal Cafe Theatre. Uh, and the last thing you can do is you can buy my novel, which is on Amazon, uh, and that's called Midlands. And it is the story of my stand-up comedy days in Germany. So if you're interested in what I was saying about that, that's the best way to um, to find out a bit more.
0: Right. So if you want to know about James, you know where to go. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Give us a five-star review on Amazon, iTunes. Most importantly, follow the podcast and I'll see you in the
1: next episode.